a darn good chance you have probably heard that song a time or two and there's a reason we're starting off today's y'all show with a little skinner that's just because we're in sweet home alabama hello and welcome from the muscle shoals area of northwest alabama on this thursday edition of the y'all show we've got a lot of great interviews coming up we'll tell you about that in a second as we're on location for the first time in recent memory as we're making a swing across the south here on the Y'all Show, we hope to do this a whole bunch. But uh, after being on the air for a couple of months, we're officially on the road here for at least this one episode. And maybe, if you're lucky, we might even pull off the Friday edition on the road. John Rawl is my name. This is the Y'all Show Talk with an accent on all things Southern. And it is awesome to be with you as we broadcast on great radio stations across the southeast, including Sweet Home Alabama. And we're also in podcast form, as you can find us in Sweet Home, Alabama, as well as good old Florida and uh, Rocky Top, Tennessee, and over in the Lone Star State, any of our great southern states. You can find us in podcast form anywhere in the world. Just search for The Y'all Show, and you will be all set to catch up with all the latest of goings-on in the southeast. We've got... The news to cover, but we are really going to do a completely different show today. We've got some great interviews, as I teased, including an interview with Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. We were there on Wednesday and caught up with one of the leaders of that studio, and you talk about music history. We'll explain a whole lot more when we have that interview air in our second hour today. In our third hour, we're going to have a very special guest from the Helen Keller Museum in Tuscumbia, Alabama. We were there also Wednesday and caught up with a lady that is the executive director. Sue does a great job, and she's going to tell us more about the Helen Keller story as Helen Keller grew up in Tuscumbia, Alabama and became a international sensation. Of course, her ability to overcome her defects of being both blind and deaf, and what a story she was and, and, and remains across the world, Helen Keller. So we'll tell you a lot more about Ivy Green. That is the childhood home. She was born right there 
in I think 1880 was the year that she was born and she lived well into the 1960s. So a, a tremendous interview that you're going to want to make sure you stick around for as we have that interview set for the third hour of this, the y'all show else, uh, elsewhere, I should say, or throughout today's show, stand by for all the latest news happenings across the Southeast. Plus we've got the latest in sports news and some good hashtag huddle blue coming up here in hour number one, hour number two today, we've got the country music news and notes that you want to make sure you stick around for. Then we will have all of that interview coming up in hour number two. We'll segue from country music news over to the Helen, rather the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio before we close out our second hour. Hour three today is going to be our sports information. What's going on? We're going to take you to Waco, Texas because that is where the Baylor Bears hang out. And we've got a college, fo- college football tour spotlight of the Bears on this Thursday, y'all show. We'll walk through their season and what is expected from this Big 12 program headed into this 2023 season. Dave Aranda has done a good job there in Waco, and we'll give you a lot more info on the Bears in our final hour. As we said, we also have coming up today, an interview all about the Helen Keller Museum. All that on the show that shakes the Southland. If you want to get involved with y'all, a couple of ways for you to do so. We've got a number you can text 24 hours a day. And that number is 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. Great to be with you. Again, on the road today. If we sound a little different, that's because we've got out of our usual setup and taking it to the road, and uh, we're having a good time. It's always good to get out across the southeast and and let the people know that the y'all show is up and going. Only a couple of news headlines we're going to get to here in our opening hour, and the first story, of course, is going to be more of a national story. As President Trump Wednesday said that he will not sign a pledge to support the Republican nominee if he loses the GOP presidential primary. Now, that was a little bit different from what he did back in 2016. In an interview he did on Newsmax, Trump said, why would I sign it? I can name three or four people that I wouldn't support for president. So right there, there's a problem. He declined to name the candidates he would not support, saying there's no reason to insult them. But he did single out Tim Scott and Vivek Ramaswamy. He singled those two guys out for praise saying that they've been very nice. I think those two are certainly on his short list of prospective vice presidential nominees if indeed he ends up getting the Republican bid for 2024 president. But right now, Trump, I think surprising me by coming out and saying something like this, because the precedent there for the president is that he ultimately in 2016 signed that pledge. That was a big deal. I remember... I think the Republican, I guess it would have been, what's his name? The guy with the Greek sounding last name that he's from Wisconsin that was the Republican National Committee head. Uh, Reince Priebus, that's it. No, he has a German sounding name, but he's a he's big time Greek Orthodox guy. Reince Priebus, I remember, I think it was him and maybe Sean, was it Sean Sparks? Is that his name? that uh, used to be the White House press secretary, they went to Trump Tower 
during that 2016 campaign and they got Trump to sign the dotted line on that pledge that they would support the Republican nominee. And that was a, a big get for the RNC when that happened. So for Trump to be a little bit bullish in 2023 for the 2024 election seems a little bit childish. Trump just needs to grow up on this thing and say, look, I'm going to get the nomination. So yeah, I'm going to support the nominee because this is going to be me. I'm surprised he didn't have that kind of response when asked on Newsmax. And even if he's wrong on it, it still showcases his confidence. And whether you're a Trump fan or not, you got to admit that guy's got confidence. He might be full of it. He might be lying to you, but he's got confidence. And that goes a long way. That really does. And so Trump making headlines today that he is not going to support others if he's not the nominee for president in the year 2024. We're just now getting a, speaking of Reince Priebus, I said he was from Wisconsin and we're getting closer and closer to that Republican debate that's going to be taking place in Milwaukee. Milwaukee and let me see if I can't, I know it's in the 20s of August when that's set. Let's see, August, uh, Milwaukee. Hello, I'm on the road, so things go a little slower. August 23rd is when this is going to take place at the Fiserv Forum, the Republicans' first debate of the year, and that goes down literally in, what, less than two weeks. I guess that'll be a Thursday night, I think, if my math is correct, when that first Republican debate, of which I just saw Mike Pence qualified for, so... Congratulations to the former vice president for an achievement there that I was not real sure that he was going to be able to pull off a few weeks back. So he's, he's going to be on stage and others, but how about Trump? You know, when he, he said he congratulated or, or said complimentary things, it sounds like in that Newsmax interview to Vivek Ramaswamy as well as Tim Scott. Who did he not say good things about? He did not say good things about the guy that I was just mentioning. Mike Pence, but what's really surprising or, or not surprising, but what really needs to be brought out, he didn't say nice things about Nikki Haley. A lot of people think she's a very strong contender for vice president. I don't think so. I think Trump is as mad at her as he is Mike Pence. Cause I'm sure deep down he is insulted that his vice president is now in a Republican primary against him. And let's be honest, Mike Pence for four years, you might want to say three years, 364 days, because maybe on that January 6th day, he wasn't completely in Trump's court. But other than that, that guy was a stooge for Donald Trump. You could not have found a more loyal, solid supporter of you than Mike Pence was for Donald Trump in the first four years in office. And so for, for this guy to all of a sudden now be throwing rocks at Donald Trump, for this guy to be essentially calling out his old boss, that hurts. So I'm not surprised at the hurt there that Trump wouldn't be necessarily supporting him. But Nikki Haley and Chris Christie, of course, Chris Christie's whole campaign is based on bringing down Trump. He gets on television every chance he can, and it's only for one reason, to bring down Trump. He's got him a new career. He's a Trump bringer-downer, and he's doing a good job. 
although is it sticking? The polls and such still show incredible support for the 45th president. And indictment or no indictment, Trump's going to continue to maintain a strong base of supporters. And I think that that's not going to slow anytime before certainly the debate. And it's likely going to surge right into Iowa, followed by New Hampshire, followed by South Carolina, as he's pushing to successfully be on the ballot for a third time in the general election. That probably hasn't happened since FDR was president of the United States. We, we, we would not have had a president show up that many consecutive times because every other president that lost after their four years in office went to the ranch like Jimmy Carter did, like Gerald Ford did. And they gladly did not want to reenter a presidential fight. But Trump's all about the fight. And we will find out just who else is going to be able to come under his watch, watchful eye and maybe come under his attackful eye going forward. Nikki Haley's got the look and it's not a good look coming from Trump. And who else is not necessarily that was at one time aligned with Trump that's not necessarily on his team. That may be all of the Republican people so far because Aja Hutchinson who also, like Christie, is really in the race only to keep bringing down Trump. Those two were never close. Those two were just completely on different ends, mainly because for, I think, most of Hutchinson's time when Trump was in office, he was the governor of Arkansas. I don't think he would have been a senator at any point while Trump was president because I think Tom Cotton is the one that inherited the Hutchinson Senate seat when he left Washington, D.C., That right there is a great candidate for a potential vice president for Trump is Tom Cotton. It is a fun time if you're following politics right now. And I think that Trump is going back into the beginning of this conversation. Likely should not be coming out right now and saying negative things about not supporting other candidates. He ought to just be a team player. He has nothing really to lose or... He's got a lot to lose. He's got nothing that's going to hurt him by saying, ah, whatever, we'll uh, we'll just roll with it. <laughs> More to come on that. Let's talk about another story that's making headlines, and this involves a former Alabama Crimson Tide player. There are a lot of fans of the Crimson Tide here in northwest Alabama. Surprise, surprise. Of course, Auburn's got plenty of fans, and there's plenty of fans of those North Alabama Lions. I might have to tell you a little bit more about that program on today's Y'all Show, since we are broadcasting from the Muscle Muscle Shoals area of northwest Alabama, Colbert County today. It's where we're hanging out. Henry Ruggs III, a judge has sentenced him to prison for the fatal and awful wreck that he caused months back. You might remember that story from November of 2021. Ruggs found at fault in a deadly accident that occurred in Las Vegas At 3.39 in the morning, that's when a Corvette that Ruggs was driving struck a Toyota RAV4 that was driven by a 23-year-old Vegas resident, Tina Tentor. She and her dog died in this wreck. And now after more than a year and a half of legal maneuvers and such, 
Judge Jennifer Schwartz in Las Vegas has sentenced the former Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders wide receiver Ruggs has been now sentenced to from three to 10 years in prison. He pleaded guilty back in May, Ruggs did, to one count of driving under the influence of alcohol and or controlled or prohibited substance resulting in death. And he also pleaded guilty to a count of misdemeanor vehicular manslaughter after reaching this plea agreement with the Clark County, Nevada District Attorney's Office. Now, going back to 2021, when this accident happened, in the middle of the night, 3.30 or so in the morning, he was driving at an excessive speed. Law enforcement authorities say that Ruggs' Corvette was traveling at 156 miles per hour, two and a half seconds before impacting that car. As the Vegas Metro Police Department used data from the car's airbag control module to find those speeds. 156 miles per hour in Las Vegas, Nevada, right there, I think, in the city limits. And Ruggs killed this woman and her dog. Just a horrible, horrible thing. Ruggs would go to the University Medical Center of Southern Nevada within two hours of the accident. And those results from that stop at the University Medical Center showed that the former Alabama Crimson Tide player, and Ruggs was born in Montgomery. The test results showed that he had a blood alcohol level of 0.161, and that is twice the legal limit in Nevada, which is a 0.8% legal limit. And he's going to go to jail for a while. The experts, I think, have said that he's likely to serve at least three years of prison, which is it possible that Henry Ruggs III would have a chance to still go to the NFL if he was able to get out after a few years? Would he have the talent to still be an NFL player? Would they allow him to be an NFL player as he's expected to be sentenced again for this for, for many years is, is what the sentence is going to show and whether he's going to be able to Get out of jail early. We will keep you up to date on this story. Speaking of celebrities, the late Kirstie Alley, she had a estate in Clearwater, Florida, and that waterfront mansion that belonged to the late Cheers actress has been sold after being on the market for several months as this property sold on August 4th for $5.2 million. That is Roughly $775,000 less than the initial asking price that this house was put on the market for back in January. Kirstie Alley's home that was sold, a seven-bedroom, six-bathroom mansion located at 1100 North Osceola Avenue along Clearwater Harbor. The property also has a duplex guest, guest house, which was described as an ideal investment opportunity. Beautiful, beautiful home there. It was built over 30 years ago. It's got modern furnishings and more. And again, this Clearwater, Florida mansion selling for 5.2 mil, the former home of Kirstie Alley. She died in Tampa following a long battle of cancer several months back. She was 71 years old. 
Kirstie Alley. That's a, still hard to see that she would be gone. And she was in her 70s, I know. But a tough, tough story to pass along that her now, another closure of her life, her very nice Clearwater, Florida house being sold. Where the y'all show, there are some beautiful houses in Florence and Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Frank Lloyd Wright actually has a home or two in this area and lived in Northwest Alabama, the great architect. Maybe we'll have a chance to talk about him sometime. In fact, this is such a special area of Alabama that we're in today as we're broadcasting on location on today's y'all show. I'm going to divide the Shoals area up and we're really not going to talk much about Florence on the north side of the Tennessee River. Today, it's going to be more about Tuscumbia and Sheffield because we're on the south side. We're in Colbert County where Muscle Shoals is also located, but this is more of a Tuscumbia, Sheffield type event today because we're going to go in hour two to the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, which is in Sheffield, and we're going to go to that very historic studio that Cher recorded in, Leonard Skinner recorded in, and so many others, and we had a up-close and personal tour on Wednesday of this, and we were able to get the curator of that tour to talk to us for about I think it was about 10 minutes. So we're going to play that in hour two today. Hour three is going to be very special too, because we were able to catch up with the curator and director of Ivy Green. That is the Helen Keller childhood home and birthplace. That is a museum in Tuscumbia, Alabama. And we're going to let you hear that interview coming up in our final hour as the y'all show has hit the road and we're hanging out in Northwest Alabama and Colbert County in the Muscle Shoals area today. And we're having a good time and hopefully you'll sit back and enjoy some things about this area that you might not have known prior to our getting on a plane and flying here. Yeah, direct. Sort of. <laughs> we'll come back. we got more of the Y'all Show. We'll catch you up with the latest in sports news. And that is headed your way right after this. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. Sometimes I feel I am getting kind of low Thoughts I am thinking are the reason So I try to remember without talking to myself Things that I said or maybe things that I felt about you
Sitting in a corner of a crowded ballroom People all around me and I still feel alone Just when I know I'm gonna break down and cry Someone play the tune that drive the tear from my eye There goes another love song Someone singing about me again There goes another love song That's some good southern rock there, courtesy of the Outlaws. Although that song not recorded in the Muscle Shoals area, but it had a definite Shoals influence. If you go back and look into the history of the Outlaws, as Skinnerd was a big, big part of that 1970s southern rock sound. We're back on the Y'all Show, broadcasting from the Muscle Shoals area of the heart of Dixie, and it's great to be here John Rawl, Mr. South himself, and I've got my Southern Rock tunes and my other good stuff going here on this opportunity to get on the road of the South and tell you how awesome places like Tuscumbia and Sheffield, Alabama, and even Muscle Shoals are as we're doing this broadcast on location. If we sound a little different, that's the reason. We're having a fantastic time, and we appreciate you. In fact, if you want to get involved with the Y'all Show, and if you've got a favorite thing about the Shoals area that you want to share with us, then we certainly welcome your feedback. Our email address is mail at y'all.com. That is a way you can reach out to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week with all of the info about what's going on in your life. If it's a, uh, an item that you want to pass along to us that's positive, we will certainly happily take that feedback. If it's something critical, then we will certainly and happily take your criticism and perhaps we'll even relay it right here on the show. If it's going to make us a better show, we're big boys and big girls here at the y'all show and we want to have the best show that we can possibly have. So all feedback, welcome again. It's as simple as dropping an email to the account M A I L mail at Y A L L Dot com. Thank you for playing along on the show that shakes the Southland. All right, let's catch up with the sports world real quick before we take you to hashtag Huddleballoo in the next segment and a segment that's going to help close out our opening hour here from Muscle Shoals area of Northwest Alabama. We actually have a, a pretty big story that happened on Wednesday night in Major League Baseball. Congratulations to Michael Lorenzen as he threw the 14th no-hitter in Philadelphia Phillies history, as he got a 7-0 win there in Philly against the Washington Nationals. It's the first time the Nats have had a no-hitter thrown against them since way back in the 90s when they were, before becoming the Nationals, they were once the Montreal Expos. And the 31-year-old pitcher who grew up in California, born in Anaheim back in 1992, this pitcher, Michael Lorenzen, with a tremendous no-hitter for the Philadelphia Phillies. He actually enrolled and played a little college baseball at Cal State Fullerton, where he was named an All-American and a finalist for the John Olyarud Award then ended up being picked in the draft by the Reds, played for them for a number of years. Most recently, the guy that threw Wednesday's no-hitter had been with the Angels and Tigers. 
And recently the Phillies were able to get him as they traded to get Lorenzen in exchange for prospect Hey You Lee. And he pitched that no hitter at Citizens Bank Park Wednesday evening against the Washington Nationals. What a, I mean, it's his second time showing up in a Philly uniform as a pitcher, Michael Lorenzen, with another no hitter tossed in Major League Baseball, the second, I think, this year that we've seen. Congratulations, sir. The New York Jets are hanging out in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This week is they've got a couple of joint practices with the Panthers. And that includes Aaron Rodgers hanging out in upstate South Carolina. Probably the first time he's ever been to South Carolina now that I think about it. Yeah, the California kid hanging out in the land of the Beacon Restaurant in Spartanburg. Perhaps he'll go over there and get him a nice burger and one of those delicious ice cream cones while he's there in Sparkle City. Rodgers having a chance to meet with media on Wednesday said that facing a different team for the first time as a New York Jets quarterback was a little weird as he had some real live practice plays against the Panthers as he was pressured by the Panthers pass for us in this joint practice that ended a spotty day for the Jets offense and they did not do too well against a very good Carolina Panther defense. Now, Rodgers is not expected to play in the preseason game that is going to be set up and is forthcoming. I think that game is Saturday at Bank of America Stadium. I think it's a noontime or early afternoon game in Charlotte between the Jets and the Panthers, both both of those teams. It would be the Jets. I think it's their, is it going to be their second preseason game? Because I think they were in the Canton game that the Browns won, but Rodgers didn't play in. Yeah, that's right. This would be the Jets' second preseason game. It would be Carolina's first preseason game. But at Walford College on Wednesday, before a larger-than-usual crowd there in Spartanburg, over 10,000 tickets were distributed to allow people to come in and see the Jets and Panthers have this joint practice. What a what a scene with the roasting temperatures there in upstate South Carolina. The guy with his new team, Aaron Rodgers, checking out all the scenes of South Carolina as the Panthers and Jets getting together. Meanwhile, on the other sideline, rookie quarterback Bryce Young, the first-year player from Alabama where he captured a Heisman Trophy while skippering the Crimson Tide offense. Young marched the length of the field in a two-minute drill for a field goal against the Jets' defensive starters. So that was a, a positive sign there for the young rookie. In fact, Aaron Rodgers spoke about... Bryce Young, the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. He called himself a fan of the 2021 Heisman Trophy winner's playing style, and he offered some career advice when asked by a reporter. He said, be gentle with yourself. It's a long journey. It feels like every little snap in practice is the end of the world if it doesn't go right. Again, these two teams will have a preseason game on Saturday at Bank of America Stadium. Now, there are going to be a handful of preseason games in the NFL here on this Thursday. So to tell you the breakdown of who's playing who, the Houston Texans and the New England Patriots get together at Gillette Stadium for a game that will be on the NFL Network, kicking off at 7 Eastern, 6 Central on this Thursday evening. And also in primetime, at least later in primetime, 
on the NFL Network. You can tune in and see the Seattle Seahawks at Lumen Field in Seattle hosting the Minnesota Vikings in both of those teams' first preseason game of the year. That kicks at 10 Eastern, 9 Central tonight. So you got two games on tap on this Thursday. Then you've got a total of six games Friday and a host of games taking place on Saturday, including that Jets-Panthers. That's a actually a 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central kick from Bank of America Stadium on the NFL Network. I am looking forward to seeing that, although it is expected that Aaron Rodgers is not going to put on the green and white of the J-E-T-S in that contest in Charlotte. But we also have some other great games. How about on Friday, those Detroit Lions, they are expected to do a much better job, maybe get into the playoffs this year. And their first game at Ford Field is going to be on Friday evening, the New York football giants work their way to Motor City. There's even going to be some Sunday contest in preseason action. The defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs will be in the Big Easy taking on the Saints, and the Niners are going to be taking on the Vegas Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. And that's a quick look, if you will, of what's going on with some sports news from across the Southeast. We'll take a break here on the All Show. We will wrap up this first hour of our journey to muscle shows. When we come back, we're going to have hashtag hullabaloo. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to see if I can't dig up something from the Muscle Shoals area to share with you as we come right back on the show that shakes Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and the rest of the South. This is the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com. What a great song recorded in Muscle Shoals, Alabama at Fame Studios. That is a group of guys all from the Muscle Shoals and Florence, Alabama area. That is Shenandoah with Marty Rabin on lead in one of the great country music songs, period. Two dozen roses. We are in the Muscle Shoals area today. This is the Y'all Show on location. And right now we close out our first hour of Muscle Shoals greatness with a little hashtag hullabaloo. And speaking of fame, the recording studio in Muscle Shoals that helped put the Muscle Shoals sound on the charts, we actually have found a tweet, or should I say an X, from the Fame Recording Studios account on social media. That is at fame underscore music. And how about this? Did you realize 
that you actually could pick up a plug-in from Fame Records. Listen, listen to this. This tweet from Fame Recording Studio says, Boost your recording with T-Rex Fame Studio Reverb. From the iconic Muscle Shoals, this plug-in is loved by ex- experts at Sweetwater. Feel the magic with our unique mic and performer placement tech, recreating Fame's legendary records. Experience it now. So for all you into the audio recording world and more of which a lot of you are, if you've got the right equipment, you can add the Fame Recording Studio T-Rex Fame Studio Reverb plug-in. How about that? I have no idea what it actually sounds like. I have no idea if if it's if it's an expensive proposition to add this, but the guy that started Fame is Rick Hall and man, if it's as, as good as it comes advertised, I bet you you too can make records the quality that Shenandoah did when they were there at Fame and other great artists throughout history that helped put Muscle Shoals across the world with the Fame Recording Studio Reverb plug-in. Check it out at wherever you get these kind of devices added to your sound recording systems. Now, let's bring in something a little bit more in line with more people, not just the people into the recording, the engineers of the world. How about this tweet that's coming in courtesy of the Imaginaries? at Imaginaries Band, and this is a band that makes music and more, and I think they're based in Muscle Shoals, but listen to me, what what I'm finding, what they put out on social media here in the last few days, the Imaginaries with the following tweet, we're super excited to share, we have been selected to perform at Muscle Shoals SFS, and and that's going to be in Muscle Shoals November 3 through 5, We can't wait to be back in one of our favorite towns and are looking forward to being a part of this awesome festival. And they've got uh, an image that is included with this announcement of the Muscle Shoals Songwriters Festival. And I know there's going to be more people added, but for right now, it looks like the Imaginaries are coming. The Muscle Shoals Songwriters Festival, presented by Marriott Shoals, I'll tell you more about that in a second, That Songwriters Festival from right here in Muscle Shoals is going to be November 3 through 5 of this year. So that first weekend in November, you've got to come to Muscle Shoals for the Songwriters Festival that's presented by Marriott Shoals. So I had a chance to stay at the Marriott Shoals while I have been in town this week. I've stayed there before. And if you don't mind, what an awesome place. And get here and stay at this property while it's still hot out there, they got one heck of a pool. And I brought my little one here when he was just a few months old. And one of the reasons we brought him here was because of that pool. It's perfect for little kids and it's right on the Tennessee river. So it's got a great view. This is the Marriott that you can find in the Muscle Shoals area that has the big, uh, the big, uh, I guess that would be a rotunda or the thing up in the sky that has a restaurant way up elevated and it's pretty cool. I mean, you don't see this too often. And so, and, and it rotates the rotating restaurant way up in the sky, or at least when it's working properly, it rotates and the, the rooms are nice. It's just a fantastic Marriott property in Florence. This one's on the North side of the Tennessee. This was 
the Marriott Shoals, but it's in Florence, Alabama, on the north side of the Tennessee River. And they're presenting this Muscle Shoals Songwriters Festival. So my guess is, I would assume some of those songwriters events are going to be maybe a few, if not all, at Marriott, the Marriott there in the Muscle Shoals area. Just find out more. Just Google that Muscle Shoals Songwriters Festival, and you will get the full scoop of what all exactly is going on in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. All right, and again, this is a great town with tremendous music history and more. And we want to let you know that Counts Brothers has been active on social media. Counts Brothers is on the account at Counts Bros Music. That's C-O-U-N-T-S-B-R-O-S Music. Counts Music Music Store is in Muscle Shoals. They buy, sell, trade, rent musical instruments and equipment. And they've got a number if you've got something you want to call them up and ask about. Their number is 256-383-7454, Counts Brothers in Muscle Shoals. And they've included a really cool image with their latest tweet on X. And it's some awesome, it looks like vinyl stickers that have their logo. Their logo says, Count Brothers Music, the sound of the, of the Shoals, established 1983 Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And it's in the shape of a guitar pick. And then they have another one that just simply has their name and Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And that looks like an, a really vintage license plate, but in a sticker form. I, I am impressed. It, it's pretty neat stuff they've got. And I have not had a chance to go over to Counts Brothers, but they stay active. I mean, I saw another tweet where just on Wednesday evening, they had an event there at Counts Brothers Music, which is at 713 Waverly Avenue in Muscle Shoals. The event they had Wednesday evening was a journey through music with legendary Willie Ruff, and it featured films and chats about Louis Armstrong, Florence, Alabama's own W.C. Handy, and Tony Williams. And that was last night at Counts Brothers Music, this journey through the music of legendary Willie Ruff. I'm not all that familiar with Willie Ruff, so you can find out more about him on your own, I guess. Let me Let me see if I... I wouldn't be doing Willie Ruff justice if I didn't at least pull up here a little bit more information. He was born in Sheffield, Alabama, so he is a native, and he's still with us. Born in 1931, he's 91 years old. Willie Ruff is an American jazz musician that specializes in the French horn and the double bass and has been a, well, or was a Yale University professor from 1971 to 2017, he attended Yale School of Music and got his Bachelor of Music way back in 1953. This guy, by the way, is a black American and went all the way up to Yale in the 1950s and got that kind of uh, prestigious degree and ended up having such a, a long career. He's been awarded in 1994 the inductee of the Alabama Jazz Hall of Fame. He was also awarded with the Sanford Medal and that is the highest honor from the Yale University School of Music. And he has been on the faculty at Dartmouth and UCLA as well. Willie Ruff, R-U-F-F, the jazz musician. And again, if you just happen to be in the shoals like I am, uh, but was not at this event last night, because frankly, I didn't know about it. I missed out on a journey through music with legendary Willie Ruff. And that was held at Count's Brothers Music in 
Muscle Shoals, Alabama. All right, that is enough hashtag hullabaloo that has a Muscle Shoals bent here on today's Y'all Show. And again, we want to go all on the road across the South and pull off similar broadcasts because we love coming to you on our Y'all Show and getting into your neck of the woods and telling you how awesome the entire South is. So again, if you're thinking we're a little bit too heavy on Muscle Shoals today, we will be glad to come to your neighborhood and tell you all about where you are and how awesome where you are is to the rest of the South. When we come back on y'all, we're going to have another hour. We've got two more hours set up that we are going to be happy to relay to you in our second hour. We've got some country music news, and we also will take you inside Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. We had an awesome interview that we're going to play for you, and it is going to truly be a treat to relay that and all the memories that artists like Cher and Paul Simon and Bob Seger and more. We were in the same room that those artists recorded so many great hits and we were right there touching the piano that so many the, 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 the piano that Leonard Skinner played Freebird on I was leaning up in when I was doing that interview so that's coming up When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council.
What a great song there in the southern rock genre from Leonard Skinner, a song that came out in 1973, a song that was recorded in Doraville, Georgia, but had a great influence in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and wow, what a uh, what a treat. We are in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. I'm John Raw. We are the Y'all Show Talk with an accent on all things Southern. And yes, we're going to tell you more about Leonard Skinner. We have a very special interview coming up at the end of this second hour where we were in the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio on Wednesday and got a real incredible dose of information. And we will have that interview coming up. And you can go right in there yourself and hear all about all the magic that has happened right in Sheffield, Alabama. All that is coming up on the Y'all Show in this second hour. And as we continue our spotlight of all things shoals on this Y'all on the Road edition, we have in our third hour today, we're going to take you to Tuscumbia, where that is where Helen Keller's birthplace is located, Ivy Green. And we will have an interview with the executive director of Ivy Green. And that's coming your way in hour three. You're going to learn a whole lot more, maybe things you've never heard about Helen Keller, the icon of those who are throughout the world who've overcome disabilities. And boy, did she. Helen Keller, a big feature on her in our third hour. We also have in our third hour information on those Baylor Bears as we're on a Mission to walk through all the major college football programs in the days leading up to the start of the 2023 season. And so we'll all be Baylor Bear, Green and Gold Talk, Sikkim Bears in our final hour when we have that feature coming up. Also here in the second hour, I should point out, we have country music news and notes coming to you courtesy of Nashville, Tennessee. Just about, I think it's about two hours and you can go a couple of ways to get to Nashville from right here in Muscle Shoals. You can go up that Natchez Trace, or should I say Natchez Trace. Uh, go up there. That's a little bit of a slower route, but boy, is it not beautiful going up through some of the Middle Tennessee and scooting right past the Columbia, Tennessee area and going west of Franklin. And then you end up right around the Loveless Cafe is where that thing dumps out. And you're just 20 minutes from downtown Nashville at that point. That's the more scenic but slow way to get to Nash Vegas from Muscle Shoals. The other way is, of course, going over to Interstate 65 and then going up straight north past places like Pulaski and Fayetteville. Or you can also go and check out the other scenes of Middle Tennessee like Columbia. You'll be on the east side if you're up Interstate 65 coming up that direction. And then you're past Brentwood, and next thing you know, you're on Music Row. So a couple of ways to get to Nashville. And we've got our Nashville Music Line report, which has more of the news of Music City that we'll be sharing with you here, as we love to give you all the scoop of country music. And trust me, there's been some awesome country music recorded right here in Muscle Shoals. We just played to start uh, one of our segments a while back, Shenandoah's Two Dozen Roses. And those guys live, I remember hearing... Marty Rabin, the lead singer of Shenandoah, say at a concert that I attended about two years ago that they were from the Quad Cities. And I didn't know what he was talking about when he said that. But his definition of Quad Cities is Florence, Muscle Shoals, Tuscumbia, and Sheffield. <laughs> right here in the heart of Dixie. 
And so that works for me, Marty Rabin and Shenandoah. Let's pick up a few of the news stories of the day before we get over to the fun stuff, some of the entertainment news of the day. And the big nation story, the big national story, is President Trump. He's now saying he will not sign a Republican loyalty pledge. And that is a requirement, actually, for the forthcoming Republican presidential debate, which is going to be Thursday of the following week in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's when that thing's going to be. I think it's going to be on Fox. So in an interview on cable network Newsmax on Wednesday, Trump said, why would I sign it? I could name three or four people that I would not support for president. So right there, that's a problem. Now, the 45th president declined to name the candidates he would not support, saying there's no reason to insult them. But he did also, on the other hand, single out Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina and Ohio native Vivek Ramaswamy. He praised them, saying that they have been very nice. Not exactly sure what that means. But yes, it's August 23rd in Milwaukee. Republicans will be debating And I wonder if the RNC is going to use this Trump announcement that he's not going to support other candidates as an excuse to kick him out of the primary, out of the the debate, rather. This is their chance. This is their chance to stand up to the bully if that's how they feel. Now, they have the uh, repercussions forthcoming if they do that to Trump, who is beloved by so many people, despite the controversy, despite the indictments. President Trump is beloved like nobody else. You're not going to have Vivek Ramaswamy put in thousands of people into an arena and scream his name for a couple of hours or stand in the heat for a couple of hours. You're not going to have Chris Christie have people go above and beyond because that's how they feel. Now, those people still get, they just get one vote. So yeah, he may have all these loyal people, but their vote only counts once. Now, I'm not sure that's the case on the other side of the aisle. I think some of those guys get multiple votes for their support. I'm kidding, but maybe not. Maybe there's something to this whole Republican push to throw out some of these ballot ballot harvesting, if you will. Um, We will find out. But again, the big story from Wednesday, President Trump saying he's not going to sign any kind of pledge. And and speaking of that, one guy running for president, the former congressman out of San Antonio, Will Hurd. Now, he said he definitively will not sign the 2024 pledge, though he has not met with polling and fundraising thresholds to even make this debate. And he said, heard that he will not support Trump if he becomes the eventual nominee, Will Hurd. Hmm. So... We'll keep an eye on Hurd and Trump and more, but what a story here. As we said in hour one today, remember it was a huge deal when the RNC ultimately got in 2016, Donald Trump to commit to going along with some kind of pledge. Reince Priebus would have been the RNC head at that time. And and it was a, a big coup to go to Trump tower and get him to agree to play along, to play nice. And that's what he did then. He's not playing nice anymore. It could be because of the incredible polling numbers that continue to come in for the president. And in fact, let me go to the latest Politico 
numbers of polls and such and see what they've got. Is it Politico? No, it's real clear politics. I'm sorry. It's real clear politics. It has, a, in my opinion, a much better updated polling numbers. So according to their numbers, the real clear politics poll average for the GOP primary right now has Trump at 53.9%. Ron DeSantis is at 15.9%. So that is 30, roughly 38 points higher. Trump, he's got a 38 point lead over DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy comes in in third with a 5.9 polling average. Mike Pence is at 5.0. This is again, the national poll average from real clear politics on the Republican side. If you look, start looking at just like Iowa, for example, Trump in Iowa has a 44 to 17 edge over Ron DeSantis right now. Tim Scott's at nine, seven and Ramaswamy is at 5.3 in New Hampshire. Trump's polling at 41.7 DeSantis at 17.7. So despite all of the problems Ron DeSantis has had from a really botched debut of his campaign on Twitter and all the other problems, he just switched out his campaign manager this week you got to give him a little love because despite all those problems, he may be trailing Trump a lot, but guess what? He is the number two guy in every one of these polls I'm reading off here. He's got a lot going for him in, in regards to still having enough support to be number two, the number two guy. <laughs> I was listening to someone the other day who's very involved with Florida politics and the question was brought up to them, could Ron DeSantis be Trump's number two guy? And their immediate answer was no, and that's because technically they're both from Florida. And you can't have two people on the, on the ticket that are from the same state because Trump recently, in the last couple of years, moved his residency from New York to Florida where he lives at Mar-a-Lago now. I bet you it wouldn't be that hard for Trump if he wanted to go the DeSantis route. It probably wouldn't be too hard for him to all of a sudden, because you really can't get DeSantis to switch residencies since he's the governor and sitting governor of the Sunshine State, I bet you you could easily move Trump's residency to New Jersey, where he has his golf club there. And Bedminster, New Jersey, is where that's located. I'm sure there's a creative way to pull that off if they wanted to go the DeSantis route. But right now... Trump still with a commanding lead. Now, if you look at the head-to-head -head matchups, according to Real Clear Politics, of a potential general election matchup, Biden, right now, the latest average has him with a seven, a 0 0.7 edge over Trump at 44.8 to 44.1. That average has been about right on the money, dead even for a while. In fact, sometimes Trump was even on top of Biden. As far as Biden versus a possible DeSantis with uh, a possible a possible Ron DeSantis matchup of DeSantis versus Biden, Biden right now with a 1.8 lead over Ron DeSantis. Biden's coming in at 44.5 and DeSantis at 42.7 in a general election scenario between the current president and the current number two guy that's running for president on the Republican side. 
And let's just say Biden's not going to run and you end up having Kamala Harris as the Democratic nominee in 2024, a potential Trump versus Harris matchup. According to Real Clear Politics, Trump has a 3.7% lead over the former Attorney General and U.S. Senator from the state of California, Kamala Harris. 46.0 to 42.3 is the lead that Trump currently has in this Real Clear Politics polling average. Ah, fun stuff to talk about. Not necessarily the world's greatest uh, important news to pass along, but it's fun to talk about. We've got a couple of more weeks before that big Republican debate in Milwaukee and Trump, again, the big story from Wednesday that he's not going to sign a pledge. He's not going to commit his life. He's not going to put it down on paper like he would do if he's getting married to one of his, what's he been married three times. That's actually not a lot considering his background and his money and his wealth and fame. I'm surprised he didn't, you know, he was married to his first wife a long time. I'm not saying he was Mr. Nice Guy and Mr. Committed all the time, but they did have a uh, quite a long marriage when he was married to, not Ivanka, but uh, whatever, you know her name, Ivanka's mama and Donald Jr.'s mama. Uh, what is her name? I know it started with an I. Uh, senior moment here, y'all. I'm on the road. I've got a lot going on, and I'm happy to... Uh, Talk about the Trumps and the all the other stuff, but what I'm really excited to do is talk about the Muscle Shoals area of Alabama because that's where we're broadcasting from. Yes, we are on location, broadcasting at great sites today. We've got interviews coming up here this hour. We've got an interview from Muscle Shoals Sound Studio on Jackson Highway, and we're going to let you know a whole lot more about the history of that location and the, the story of how this studio Went from making music to going silent to all of a sudden making music again. And it is quite a story, and we'll have that in just a few moments. A story involving an Alabama native in the news. A judge in Las Vegas, Nevada, Judge Jennifer Schwartz, has sentenced the former NFL player, Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs III. He's been sentenced to from three to ten years in prison and that was on Wednesday when he was sentenced in the 8th Judicial District Courtroom in Las Vegas. Back in May, the Montgomery native pleaded guilty to one count of driving under the influence of alcohol and or controlled or prohibited substance, and that decision of using alcohol and drugs resulted in the death of an innocent person there in the Vegas area. And it happened because Ruggs was going way too fast. He was according to data, going more than 150 miles per hour. 156 miles per hour is what his Corvette was traveling right before it impacted this innocent person's car and killed her, and it also killed her dog as the victim didn't have a chance. As she was driving a Toyota RAV4, Tina Tentor was 23 years old, and she was killed when this NFL player, then of the Las Vegas Raiders, in the middle of the night, around 3 o'clock in the morning, driving that fast and killing her. He pleaded guilty again to this. As a result, he gets sentenced to what looks like it's going to be several years in prison. The judge said Wednesday that this was one of the most tragic cases that she had seen and she announced that she had decided to follow the plea agreement and sentenced Ruggs to from 36 to 120 months in prison. 
for the first count and six months in prison for the second count and the sentences are to be served concurrently. So he's going to be certainly in prison and away from the world for quite a time. The family of the victim said she was, she only saw the beauty and life in every soul. And I'm sure she was a wonderful person. Unfortunately, a, a dumb decision by a rich NFL player cost her and her dog their lives. This is a fun story to tell you about. We first let you know about this big mullet contest going on. And now out of Wilson County in middle Tennessee, we got to promote one of Wilson County's own because Owen Escato, also known as the Onato, he's up for the best mullet in America. And that ain't bad for this second grader at Mount Juliet elementary in middle Tennessee. He's got one heck of a mullet. And again, it's been, Named as one of the best in the country, and wow, the Anato is rocking it there. His mullet even has the shaved sides of his head, has like a Z-looking thing going, and he's got the flow in the back, and hmm, Mount Julia Elementary. I bet, his, I bet he's the stud of the school, rocking that mullet. Owen Escado, good luck to you with the, with the cut. 1988 has returned and it's hanging out right now in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Thanks to this second grader at Mount Juliet elementary. My goodness. Some things you just have to wonder how in the world did they come back in style? In fact, we're going to talk about the blast from the past. I think it's Monday, Megan Headwall. When she's back with us, we're going to have that very subject things that have come back in style. And we've got a list, and if you've got something you want to add to that list, by all means, let us hear from you, because you may have something that's going to make us all get a good memory and a good chuckle, if nothing else. Send that to mail, M-A-I-L, at Y-A-L-L. That's what the uh, address is for you to send that. We would love, love to share that. When the Y'all Show returns, we've got all the news and notes from Country Music's World Capital And it's just up the road here from Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Nashville, Tennessee is where we're going to take you for the Nashville Music Line Report. That information is coming up. Plus, maybe there's a connection or two in that Nashville Music News with where we are today. We're broadcasting from Muscle Shoals and Colbert County in Alabama. This is the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent, and we will be right back. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service for all of your tree removal or tree issues going on 
Give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See me, Tree Service, powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. our way through this second hour broadcasting from the Muscle Shoals area of Northwest Alabama. I'm John Rawl and yeah we are in sweet home Alabama and we want to let you know by the way if you're interested in coming to this part of the state of Alabama it is a great place to come year-round frankly and if you do get over here or you want to come and you're trying to plan out your trip please consider the official tourism partner for this is visit the shoals and you can find visit the shoals on social media just search visit the shoals for example on facebook and the shoals is right there and that includes all of the communities of florence and sheffield and tuscumbia and the much bigger city of florence alabama they're all kind of under one tourism roof visit the shoals i'll take you there because that song there, by the way, I'll Take You There, was recorded right here in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And, uh, and and we're excited to tell you about all the music and more on this special Shoals edition of the Y'all Show. And as I said earlier, we're, because this is such a special spot in Alabama, we're going to actually divide up today and have Muscle Shoals and Colbert County, the south side of the Tennessee River, mostly featured today. We'll save Florence for another time. And that's over on the north side of the Tennessee, home of the University of North Alabama and other great things. I I mean, look, I put on once a sweet tea challenge for y'all.com in downtown Florence, Alabama. So you know it's a great place if they've helped put on a sweet tea challenge for y'all magazine and y'all.com. Well, Luke... Brian loves his sweet tea. He also loves Georgia and he loves Tennessee. But did you realize he's been having a Las Vegas residency? Well, that's going to come to an end because Brian said Wednesday that the Las Vegas residency 
that he's got Luke Bryan Vegas, and that's at the Resorts World Theater in Vegas. It's going to come to an end, his residency, and that's going to come to an end after the first of the year. As he said in a statement that he has truly enjoyed his time at Resorts World and offering fans a unique way to see him perform live, the technology at this theater theater allows us to do a completely different show than our regular tour, which makes it a lot of fun for me, my team, and the fans in the room. He debuted this Vegas show back in February of 2022, but he's going to let it come to an end. In fact, the scheduled finale of Luke Bryan Vegas is January the 6th, and he's got a limited run from December 29th through January 6th. Tickets go on sale in just a couple of days, August 18th is when you can get them again at Resorts World Las Vegas. Luke Bryan and his Vegas tenure come into an end. In fact, in the show, Bryan had fog and flames. He had a flying catwalk, an 18-wheeler, even a beach, and he kept the crowd entertained with all of his hit songs and his Georgia dialect. <laughs> You got you to admit, Luke Bryan is a country boy. There ain't no doubt about it. So a year and a half into this residency, Luke Bryan says he's more savvy than he was about Sin City crowds the first time he stepped on stage. And hey, it's had a good time, but it's time to take it on back to the South. And that's what it looks like he's going to be doing. And maybe, just maybe, he's going to be coming to more concerts around you real soon after January arrives and he won't be stuck in Vegas anymore Luke Bryan ending his Vegas residency in early January of 2024 elsewhere is a story about not a Bryan but a but a not a Luke but a Jake a Jake Owen and this is a heartfelt story Jake Owen now saying that he quit drinking almost two years ago and he wants you to know that you can too as he says I'll be your supporter I'll cheer you on as he says, he's not had a drop of alcohol in nearly 700 days. The engaged father of two on Instagram this week wrote that nearly two years ago, he decided to walk away from alcohol and that he is really proud of himself. As he said, I was not at a point where I had a drinking problem. I was just being an a-hole and being a person I didn't want to be. And so Jake Owen said he was sure somebody was probably reading the post and Someone who experienced at his worst, he couldn't take it back. I said things that I shouldn't as well as did things I would never do sober. And he is being very open and honest. His daughter also appears in his latest Instagram post. Her name is Paris. And she evidently in this Instagram post is helping him, I think, sing here. So uh, some positive news. I am not totally sure who he's engaged to. I don't see that in this story, but uh, congratulations on the sobriety and all that he's got going on for the Florida native Jake Owen. And when he talks about how he's only been sober or away from alcohol for two years, it harkens me back to when he and Phil Mickelson got into a nasty little confrontation at, I guess it would have been, um, gosh, who was it's wedding? It would have been, um, Jordan, uh, from the PGA tour. He went to their wedding. He went to that wedding. It was right after Jordan Spieth. It was right after 
Mickelson and Tiger Woods, I believe, had a televised deal on TV that it was like a pay-per-view thing. And Jake Owen went up to Mickelson, who won that event, and essentially complained about having to spend $100 or so on that pay-per-view thing. And uh, they kind of got a little uh, heated there at uh, at Spieth's wedding, and it ruined the mood, you could say. And, and to Mickelson's credit, the 53-year-old golfer now – popped back at Jake Owen and said, Hey, here's uh, your money back. I got, uh, 500 more of those. Uh, and he may have even said five, he won a couple million dollars on that thing. And so he had the perfect comeback to a smart aleck country music singer. That was according to what we're reading here, probably under the influence at Spieth's wedding when that all went down. But again, congratulations to Jake Owen for being a man and manning up and, and congratulations on his forthcoming nuptials some garth brooks news to tell you about he's announcing a new studio album and a limited series boxed set we haven't seen box sets in a while have we yes he's going to be having new music out monday night he announced plans for this new box set and the set will be available in bass pro shops this fall only at bass pro shops it's a seven disc set you can pre-order it now as he said, Monday, the first limited series came out in the late 90s inside Studio G. And what it was was a chance for everyone to get all the music at a really cool low price. Everyone gets to catch up, which I thought was cool. Karth Brooks announcing new music. And I'm looking at the Facebook post that he put out when he announced this. And he's wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates hat. Come on, Garth. What's, what's that all about? Also sporting a tattoo there on his left forearm. I'm not really sure what that is, but yeah, he's getting a little, uh, little hip Garth Brooks. This is the singer of the Okies third limited series box set. His first came out in 98. His second came out in 2005. And he says that this will be his last limited series. He guarantees that. So yeah, um, the new box set will include his most recent album, man against machine. Gunslinger, Triple Live, and the new album as well. Yeah, so Garth Brooks with new music, and you're going to get it at the Bass Pro Shops. I never thought I'd be going to Bass Pro Shops and searching for Garth Brooks music when I normally go there and search for, well, I'm not really an outdoorsman. I do like going there and looking at their clothing. They got some awesome clothing, and I love my clothing there on sale. I can't. I can't help it, y'all. <laughs> it's just in my DNA. Non-country muse to pass along. A Ontario native and a member of the band, Robbie Robertson, has died as he was a co-founder and a film composer. Robbie Robertson, a five-time Grammy nominee, and again, a co-founder of the the band, has died at the age of 80. And then out of the Memphis area, Elvis Presley's granddaughter, Riley Keough, has now commented on her complicated family situation after she reached a settlement with her mom, her grandma, rather, Priscilla Presley, over the Elvis Presley estate. Riley Kehoe is now your 100% heir to Elvis Presley's estate. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yes, she is sadly in charge of that after her mother died 
And then, then her brother died back in 2020. Benjamin Storm Keogh died at the age of 27. And now she's sadly at her young age. I think she's somewhere around 30. Riley Keogh, the granddaughter of Elvis. And now working things out with her grandma, Priscilla Presley. And that is a look at some of our entertainment, mostly country music news of the day right here on the Y'all Show. We'll take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to take you inside Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. That's on Jackson Highway in Sheffield, Alabama. We had a very special tour of that place on Wednesday, and you're going to be amazed to hear some of the stories, the real inside scoop of Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, one of the two premier recording studios in Muscle Shoals sound history, the other being Fame. I had a ball. I think you'll enjoy this interview as the gentleman that directed us there in that tour took time afterwards to come talk to the Y'all Show, and you're going to love hearing all about Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. That's going to close out Hour 2. Hour 3, we're going to have on the Y'all Show an interview from... Helen Keller's birthplace, as we'll be at Ivy Green, and you'll want to definitely hang around for that conversation, too. All that is coming up right here on the show that shakes the Southland, direct from Muscle Shoals, Alabama. This is the Y'all Show. Shoals Sound Studio. This is August 9th. And get, spell your first and last name. Terrell. T-E-R-R-E-L-L. And my last name is Benton. B-E-N-T-O-N. Terrell, your position? I'm a tour guide and soon to be picture scanner for our, of the book we're trying to do. Right. Well, Terrell, thank you for letting me come by. Absolutely. This is the Y'all Show. We are here in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Technically, we are in Sheffield. Sheffield. Yep. 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 And we're at Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, which is... At 3614 Jackson Highway. I had to look over here. Yeah. There was a record made here by that same title. Absolutely. By Cher, the first record recorded in the building. Absolutely. And she named it after the address of the studio. Yep. That was a pretty gutsy move by her. We actually highlighted that album not long ago here on the Y'all Show. Couldn't she have come up with a better name? I don't know. Uh, I'll be honest. There was um, Sonny and Cher hadn't had a hit in couple of years and to be honest with you the banks were after them <laughs> and so they signed her to atlantic records and Sonny thought they could come here and make a quick cheap record and be back on the charts and out of debt didn't happen two years later the Sonny and share show got them out of debt but this record didn't happen but i think it was more Sonny and jerry wexler of atlantic records pushing them to do that 
Well, this, that was the first record recorded. And we're in the studio right here at Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. I'm sitting here right by the famous piano that you've heard on tons of records. But how did they end up coming here from California? Uh, they had signed, Jerry Wexler at Atlantic Records signed Cher. And uh, they were looking for rather cheap places to record. And Wexler had just loaned the, the Swampers the money to open the studio. And he said, I'll take you to Muscle Shoals. And that was exactly how it was. Yep, yep. Now, the reason they came here were four local boys. If you don't mind, tell us the quick story on the four boys who left Fame Recording Studios to come just a couple miles down the road here to Sheffield. Uh, Yep, they were at Muscle Shoals Sound. Of course, they're commonly known as the Swampers. But they had started at Fame in the mid-60s, the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section. Backing band for Aretha Franklin, Wilson Pickett, Solomon Burke, Otis Redding, Etta James. And uh, after a financial discussion with Rick Hall at Fame, they went to Jerry Wexler, and he loaned them the money to rent this little building, and they moved over here on April Fool's Day, 1969. Yep, yep. And these guys started Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. David Hood on bass, Jimmy Johnson guitar, Roger Hawkins on drums, and Barry Beckett on keyboards. And they were equal partners. It was the only studio in America owned by musicians at the time. God, that's hard to believe. So Cher comes in here, and then you start having a bunch of people trickle in, including the Rolling Stones and Leonard Skinner. Yep, yep. December of 69, the Stones come. They record three songs in three days. Um, you Gotta Move, Brown Sugar, and Wild Horses in three days. Then after that, of course, it, it just started to roll. Yeah. I mean, they had everyone from Bob Seger to Paul Simon, the Staple Singers, Jimmy Cliff. The number two selling reggae record of all time is Jimmy Cliff's The Harder They Come. It's recorded here. It's these boys from Alabama playing on that reggae record. Yeah. Yep. They, and this is all in the early 70s, and this mm-hmm. would go up until the mid-70s. Yep. The studio would ultimately be abandoned. Yep. They left the studio in 1978 to go to their second studio in, on the Tennessee River in Sheffield. And uh, it became abandoned, became a used appliance store, a little bit of everything. What happened to that other studio? Uh, it is, uh, they sold it to Malico Records, and then Malico sold it to a local person, and she renamed it Cypress Moon. And um, I think you can still record there, not for sure. I know that she has events there. She has plays, uh, dances, things like that at that studio. But nothing epic happened there from a recording standpoint? Not while she was there. Now, when these boys were there, uh, the first week they were there, it was Bob Dylan in Studio One and Dire Straits in Studio Two. (laughs) Yeah, not a bad way to kick off the new place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, They continued to have hit after hit over there. But then the record industry changed. And do your records at home you'd have to go someplace and spend money yeah so now muscle shoals is one of our recording capitals in this country mm-hmm. and we're a show that's more southern centric mm-hmm. and so it's one of really i would say two major recording areas in the entire south nashville being one and nashville memphis and Mem- you would include yeah, memphis yeah, absolutely yeah. any other ones uh macon georgia Okay. I think Macon is one of the epi- epicenters. I mean, Capricorn Records, Almond Brothers, all of that in Macon. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it is. And and I know I'll say this: Muscle Shoals was always more closely aligned with Memphis than with Nashville. Oh. Uh, that soul thing, that stacks record thing, and that's what these boys were into. 
and that's what happened. Well, this was Alabama in the 1960s and 70s when mm -hmm. all this was going on, mm -hmm. and you had interracial makeup of musicians mm -hmm. in here, and it seemed to work out. Well, David of the Swampers, David Hood, said that one of his biggest thrills that was in this building, it was people making art. It was not black, brown, yellow, red. It was people making art. And if an artist came here and a restaurant would not serve a black artist, they never went to that restaurant again. Yeah. Wilson Pickett used to stay at Jimmy Johnson of the Swampers house every time he would come into town. Hotels were not easy to come by for black artists in those days. So they would always take care of them. I mean, the Staple Singers did their two biggest hits here, and one of them was uh, Respect Yourself, an anthem for the Civil Rights Movement in this building. How about that? We're talking with Terrell here at Muscle Shoals Sound Studio in Sheffield, Alabama. This is a recording studio that's still active. In fact, just on our show the other day, we talked about you had a person in here recording, yeah. but also moonlighting as a Waffle House employee. Tell me about that. Well, Lana Del Rey was here. She walked in on a Friday, took a tour of the studio, and then asked our studio manager if she could record that night. And we said, well, of course you can. And she came in that night and then came back a couple of days later and worked oh, eight or nine hours, I think, maybe the next day. But she uh, did three or four demos that she was working on. So, yeah, yeah, it's always uh, you never know who's going to walk in the door. Well, again, this is a active studio, but it's also a place that you can come and tour, as I've done today. Mm -hmm. And y'all do a great job of telling the history of Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. You actually get to be right here. You can see the bathroom that... Tell me that story about the bathroom. Oh, Keith Richards locked himself in the bathroom uh, with his guitar, and when he came out, he had written Wild Horses in the bathroom. So, and yeah. It, it's yeah. a very small bathroom, by the way. It is, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tiny space. Yeah. Uh, it's 25 feet wide and 50 feet long. You don't, don't have to have a Taj Mahal to make hit records, is what I always like to say. And Muscle Shoals Sound is a place for you to – Come and tour, and heck, if you really want to, you can come here and record. Absolutely. We do the tours Tuesday through Saturday. Our first tour starts at 10.30, and the last tour starts at 3.30 every day. They're about 45, 50-minute tours. So, Do you have to book in advance? You can. You can buy online, or you can come to the door. Uh, my only suggestion is buy in advance on a Saturday. All right. That's exactly it. Well, Terrell, thank you very much thank again. You. Your, your website is... Um, Muscle Shoals Music Foundation.org. Okay, great. Well, we appreciate your time, and again, we're glad to be here and where the good music is made. That's it. Thank All you right. so much. We'll have more of the Y'all Show coming right up from Muscle Shoals, Alabama.
Seeger helping us get this final hour of our show, the Y'all Show, up and going as we are in Northwest Alabama today, broadcasting on our special tribute to Muscle Shoals, the music that comes from this area, the history, and more. We're kind of focusing on the south side of the Tennessee River as we're in the Shoals area. We've taken you an hour or two to the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio where artists like Bob Seeger recorded there with the great Muscle Shoals rhythm section and its members like Barry Beckett, Roger Hawkins, and David Johnson and others. Oh, what a tremendous lineage that the fame and Muscle Shoals sound studios have in recorded music history. But also there's a completely separate person from the Shoals area that we're going to focus on in this hour of the Y'all Show. Helen Keller, she was born here in Tuscumbia and her birthplace and the childhood home of hers is ivy green and later in the hour we're going to take you to ivy green as we were there wednesday and had a chance to sit down with the executive director and she's going to have one heck of an interview with us telling us all about this american icon helen keller and that's coming up later this hour as we close out the y'all show plus we also have a spotlight on the baylor bears in this final hour as baylor is our college football team that we're focusing in on on this Thursday edition. We've been on a tour, not necessarily like we are on the same kind of tour we're on today where we're physically here in the Muscle Shoals area, but we are going to virtually take you to Waco, Texas, where the Bears are gearing gearing up under Dave Aranda for their upcoming 2023 football season. So a lot of Baylor Bears info coming up in the next segment of the Y'all Show. We also if we're able to tell you a handful of festivals, since we know a lot of you depend on our Southern Travel Report each and every Thursday to plan out your, you know, let's just be honest, your weekend. We we love giving you great options for weekend entertainment, and we'll have a, a handful of our festivals across the Southeast that we'll get to you coming up in the next few moments. Actually, I'll squeeze that in as we go through some of our headlines And repeating what we've told you as far as our headlines here on today's Y'all Show, the big story nationwide from Wednesday is that President Trump says he's not going to sign some kind of loyalty pledge like others have done. And frankly, what he did back in 2016 as the President Wednesday saying he's not going to sign this pledge. We're only a handful of days from that August 23rd Republican, uh, Republican debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the president on Wednesday appeared in an interview on Newsmax and said, hey, why would I sign it? I could name three or four people that I would not support for president. So right there, there's a problem. huh? Really, this isn't completely surprising from the 45th president. But hey, with Trump, you just never, never know. Let's take you to a story from Clearwater, Florida. Kirstie Alley, the late actress, her mansion there in Clearwater, has just sold. She died 
in Tampa several months back ago after a battle with cancer. Kirstie Alley was 71 years old, and now her Clearwater, Florida mansion has sold. It's a waterfront mansion, and it had been on the market for several months. But on August 4th, records indicate that Kirstie Alley's home sold for $5.2 million, which was about $775,000 less than the initial asking price that she was looking for. So uh, I'm not sure who is the person or persons inheriting her wealth, but this is a seven-bedroom, six-bathroom mansion on North Osceola Avenue in Clearwater Harbor, and it has been sold. Again, Kirstie Alley's Clearwater, Florida home now off the market as this mansion, which had expansive waterfront views, a 60-foot dock and more, even had what's called an infinity pool and a hot tub built 30 years ago. (sighs) Sorry, if you were looking to buy Kirstie Alley's home, you're just out of luck, y'all. So uh, move on to possibly another option. And I, I mean, it's kind of weird to me that I did not even realize that she claimed and, and lived in a place that's not necessarily, in my opinion, a place that Hollywood stars flock to. And that's Tampa. I mean, I can see the stars hanging out with each other in places like South Beach. But uh, yeah, what, what, a, uh, what a weird thing. What a weird thing coming out of Clearwater. That's where she ended up settling. And our last story headline of this hour, want to let you know that the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, has gotten involved in the search for an 81-year-old woman in Haywood County in West Tennessee as the governor is now offering $10,000 as a reward in the finding out about the murder of this woman, offering a reward as he's searching for those responsible for the shooting death of this Brownsville, Tennessee woman. According to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, just before 10 p.m. on August 1st, officers responded to a shooting on North Monroe Avenue in Brownsville, and that's where Warlene Sis Jones was found suffering from multiple gunshot wounds. She was rushed to a hospital, but she died from her injuries, and no arrests have been made. According to family members, Jones was a talented seamstress and a gardener who was well-loved in the Brownsville, Tennessee community, and she loved to take rides in her classic Ford F-150. Sounds like my kind of lady. They also say, people, that she was making jars of her famous cha-cha relish for a customer before, before she was murdered. And if you have information, you can help out by calling the Brownsville, Tennessee Police Department, 731-722-1260 or... You can call Crime Stoppers at 731-424-8477. Again, the governor of Tennessee chipping in. He's offering $10,000 as a reward for whoever can find information on the murderers of this 81-year-old beautiful soul that was killed, it looks like, for absolutely no reason as she suffered from multiple gunshot wounds before her death. And let's try to find who killed 81-year-old Sis Jones in Haywood County in West Tennessee. Just a tragic story, and and kudos to Governor Bill Lee for getting involved with this thing as he's putting this money up to find those responsible for the death of this Tennessee woman. Hmm. That will wrap up our headlines of the South, but as I said, we've got festivals that we want to quickly tell you about here on the Y'all Show because that is a definite tradition that we have and 
We know that it's, uh, there's still a couple of uh, school districts across the southeast that aren't quite in school yet. I don't know if schools primarily in the south all go back to school before Labor Day, but you might could find a good a good event or two if you're able to go to places across the southeast. So let me, while we're here in Alabama, I'll tell you about something coming up this weekend in the Huntsville area at the Orion Amphitheater. It is an event called SLUICE. I guess that's called Slooch, Slooch Fest 2023. And that's going on this weekend. It is a DIY music festival that celebrates L-U- I can't say this. S-L-U-I-C-E, Sluchy Fanzine, a Huntsville-based zine centered around music, art, and community. And this celebration is for five years. They'll be having their fifth annual event in Huntsville, which is about an hour and 15 minutes due east of where we are right here in the Muscle Shoals area of Northwest Alabama. And also in this area this weekend in the Northwest Alabama community, they'll be having at Florence, the open mic music, poetry, hip hop event going on. And that's going to be taking place in downtown Florence. It looks like this weekend. So I know I was hanging out at a place here in the Florence area and they were telling me that the students at the nearby college, the university of North Alabama, are going to be starting back to school at the end of next week. So maybe this is a a precursor, if you will, of college life, getting back in this nice, lovely spot of Northwest Alabama. But that's, that's the fun that you can find in Alabama. Let's now go to the state of Florida for maybe an event or two, if you're looking to head to the Sunshine State for some weekend fun. And in Florida this weekend, festivals in the state of the Sunshine Land include you can head to Daytona Beach. It's the No Worries Music Fest, and that's taking place at 352 South Nova Boulevard in Apopka, Florida. I love this one at the Apopka Amphitheater. This weekend, it is the Southern Soul Love. Love, love, love. Would love to go there. It's the Southern Soul Love Festival going on this weekend. In Corbin, Kentucky, it's the NIBROC Festival, Nibrock Festival, and that's at, <clears throat> pardon me, Nibrock Park, and that is a, a community tradition that evidently goes on in Corbin, Kentucky, and you can check that out this weekend. Now, let's take you to the state of Mississippi this weekend, this weekend in the Magnolia States in Crystal Springs, south of Jackson. It's the third annual Mississippi Urban Book Fest. And that goes along with the Mississippi Soul Food Festival also taking place in Crystal Springs in the state of Mississippi. That's going on this weekend. Let's take you to the Volunteer State where they have the three grand divisions of the state. And maybe if you're lucky here, I can pull up a couple of events in three different sections of the state. First of all, in Murfreesboro, this sounds awesome. It's the Peach Cobbler Festival at Lane Agri-Park. That's taking place all day Saturday. Peach Cobbler in the borough. Also this weekend in Pigeon Forge, it is Harvest Fest. That's going on a couple of different weekends at Mountain Valley Vineyards in the Pigeon Forge area. So head over there if you have 
the opportunity. And how about this? In Bartlett in West Tennessee this weekend, it is the Philippines Festival at the Memphis Mission of Mercy on Stage Road. I know we've got a lot of Filipinos that have made their way to the south and in West Tennessee and in the Memphis area this weekend, you can celebrate the Philippines Festival in the Volunteer State. And one more state that I want to try to scoot in and tell you some events going on this weekend. It's the Lone Star State. And in Texas City, down near the Galveston area this weekend, from Saturday's 4 o'clock time period to 9 o'clock at the Showboat Pavilion in Texas City, it's Shrimp Fest 2023, again, in Texas City, Texas. And that's some of the fun events going on in the states of the South this weekend as we have our Festive South feature We're on the road. We're having a great time. We're kind of getting the party going earlier than expected here on this y'all show as we're in the Muscle Shoals section of Northwest Alabama, Colbert County, broadcasting in great places like Tuscumbia and Sheffield. Muscle Shoals is also right here on this side of the Tennessee River. And we're going to take you to Tuscumbia before the hour is up as we're going to have a special interview with the executive director of the Helen Keller birthplace museum that's ivy green that interview will wrap up our show in just a few moments but when we come back we're going to give you a quick interview or really more of a feature of the 2023 edition of the baylor university bears as we are on a little bit of our own virtual tour for college football as we're just about two weeks away from the start of college football and baylor has been one of the best teams in the big 12 and we're going to tell you about aranda's ball club As it gets ready for the kickoff of the 2023 season, we'll go through the schedule and we will have much more on the green and gold of the Sikkim Bears of Baylor. And that's coming up right here on y'all. So don't miss out on the fun. Again, if you want to drop us an email, if you've got a favorite thing that you want to make sure we know about here at the y'all show, you can easily email us here and we will be happy to get that information passed along to everybody that tunes in on a daily basis to the show that shakes the Southland, the y'all show. In fact, I need to pull this text that came in and I didn't have a chance to get to it on our Wednesday. No, yeah, our Wednesday y'all shows when this came in and on the Wednesday show, we were talking about education and more. And we were talking about, let's see, we were, I'm trying to remember what we were talking about, but let me just read this text that came in from a texter and texter. Thank you for that. I'm sorry. I didn't get to this on the Wednesday show. I think we were talking about the expense of the expense of what college is right now. It is so daggum expensive. I think an average of about ten thousand per year for public schools, and forty thousand at private schools like Baylor University, which we'll talk about in a second. But Texter wrote in on Wednesday, and we're just now getting to this. And I apologize, but thank you for texting either way. Texter says, "I." Uh, Texter says a possible way to lower college costs use the promise at a community college most. Every Bachelor of Science degree requires basic courses, thus they get free tuition, and that includes two years of English Lit, two years of Math, two years of Science, or one or two years of English or Spanish. Transfer to another Board of Regents school for one major and minor or a double major. The vocational colleges offer 18-month programs such as LPN, Industrial Maintenance, etc., and they often pay $40,000 a year. The vocational colleges... Let's see, I think that was the same thing written twice. But yeah, the point is you can make a lot of money if you go to a vocational college. As this texter says, they often pay if those 
jobs pan out for the person that goes to those vocational schools. 40,000 big ones a year. That's not bad when you're 21, 22 years of age, opposed to what a lot of kids who spend 40,000 a year going to private school and they get a degree that's useless and they sit at home in the basement for about the next 50 years living off the parents. Hmm. Y'all know anybody like that? Am I that person? I don't think so, but yeah, my parents may have thought that at times, although I never lived in their basement. You know why? My parents don't have a basement. So fooey on you. <laughs> We're going to take a break here. Thank you, Texter. By the way, you can text the y'all show 24 hours a day. We've got a line that allows you to do that. 615-208-4184 is that 24-7 text line. And emails are certainly welcome at any point of the y'all show. You can send us an email, M-A-I-L, mail that y'all show this program broadcasting on great stations plus we're on spotify our heart radio the tune in app and we're on apple podcast and apple itunes where the y'all show powered by y'all.com it's all about the baylor bears as we're broadcasting from the shoals of northwest alabama stay tuned more of the y'all show coming right up Back on the Y'all Show, talking about all things Southern. I love that song there. That is from the Sikkim Bears variety of Baylor University in Waco, Texas. In fact, I'm going to let this play a little bit more because this is a catchy little tune. Okay, all you Baylor haters out there, we just got your text, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll shut this thing down. We're on a tour across the South on this, the Y'all Show. We're actually literally on a tour today as we're broadcasting from Colbert County in northwest Alabama, the Muscle Shoals area, Muscle Shoals, Tuscumbia, and Sheffield, Alabama. We'll go to Sheffield in the next segment because we've got an interview, an exclusive interview with the executive director of Ivy Green. That is the Helen Keller birthplace. And you're going to learn a lot more about this amazing Alabama woman who lived in the late 1800s and much of the 20th century. She died in the 1960s. Helen Keller, going to learn a lot more about her as we feature her in our spotlight of the Muscle Shoals area. That'll close out the Y'all Show in just a few moments. But we'll take a break away from the Shoals and the Heart of Dixie to take you to the heart of Texas. That's where Baylor University is located in Waco, Texas. And let me tell you about Baylor football 2023 as they're getting ready for another tremendous season. Baylor 
has been one of the best athletic programs in the entire country. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. Baylor came out of nowhere as a formidable athletic program. They've won national championships in various sports, women's teams, what Kim Mulkey did before she left, the men's basketball team winning the national championship and more. I mean, this is a tiny little Baptist school in Waco, Texas, and it is truly amazing what Baylor has done. Just if you look at the football team, what we are focusing on here today, Dave Aranda's getting ready for his third season. He's already got a 20 and 15 record. McLean Stadium, which was built just about 10 years ago, 45,000 is the capacity, and they have a beautiful setting right there on the Brazos River in Waco. And this is a program that has won conference titles as recently as 2021. Wow, what a job Dave Aranda and others have done at Baylor University. And they've overcome losing seasons. They've overcome just tremendous scandals, an assault scandal within the program. I know on the basketball team, they once had a player kill another player. And despite all that, Baylor has risen from the ashes and have put together championship years. They've got a Heisman Trophy winner in Robert Griffin III. And this school has just continued to get better and better. And are we going to see Baylor back now that Big 12 members Oklahoma and Texas are leaving? That that probably makes it a little easier for them if, if one had to guess. But, hey, they're doing just fine without those two teams even still being in the conference. Because let's be honest, they've, they've knocked off that awful Texas team that's probably how they feel about them. And they're doing do, doing well. I mean, they really are. And then last year was a little bit weird because another private school, a Christian school, ended up winning not only um, the regulars. I guess they didn't win the conference championship because Kansas State won that thing. But how about TCU, the, the rivalry rival of Baylor, playing for the daggum national championship of college football? What, uh, what an impressive deal going on in the Big 12 Conference. And right now we're going to mostly focus on Baylor because that's our spotlight school today. Baylor is going to be real good this year. They've got a guy that you need to be on the watch list, a Dote Walker a winner, a award winner watch list, is a member of this football team. And when you look at Baylor's forthcoming schedule, they get going against the Bobcats of Texas State at McLean Stadium. That game's set for September 2nd. Then they have Utah, the Utes, a future Big 12 member coming into their conference. Uh, They've got them coming into McLean on the second week of the year, September 9th. Then a team called Long Island, the Sharks of Long Island. Yeah, they're coming to Waco. They're an FCS member. They've got a game there on September 16th. And then Big 12 play, the last time they'll play Texas as a conference member, that's going to be a game at Waco. They've got four straight four straight home games at McLean Stadium to start the season. And then new Big 12 member UCF is on the schedule. They play at UCF on September 30th. Texas Tech, an in-state rival, will be on the schedule October 7th. Then they've got Cincinnati, a new Big 12 member. They're going to be on the schedule October 21st. That They travel. Whaler, <laughs> Baylor goes up to the five, uh, five-way city and the home of um, Skyline, Chile, Cincinnati is the opponent on October 21st. Iowa State is where the Bears travel to. No, I'm sorry. Iowa State comes to McLean October 28th. 
Houston is a new member of the conference, and the Cougars will be in Waco November 4th. They travel to Bill Snyder Family Football Stadium in Manhattan, Kansas, for a game at K-State on November 11th. TCU, that game will be at Fort Worth at Amon Carter Stadium November 18th. And then the final regular season game, those West Virginia Mountaineers find their way to Waco to close out the regular season on November 25th. Again, Dave Aranda, he is the head coach of the Baylor Bears. What a very talented, I think, young guy. I know he's 46 years young, a guy who's been involved in college football at stops like Hawaii and Utah State. Remember, he was LSU's assistant head coach and defensive coordinator during that famous Joe Burrow National Championship team of 2019. And right when that season ended, he took off immediately to be the head coach of the Bears. Athlon Sports has put out an article talking about the Baylor Bears 2023 team and previewing their offense and more. And they've got junior quarterback Blake Shapin as he's on the team. And they also have a Mississippi State transfer as part of the offense for Baylor in 2023. Sawyer Robertson transferring in from Stark Vegas to be a member of the Baylor Bears. And then we want to tell you a little bit about Baylor's defense as this article here has that Mike, uh, rather Matt Polidge is trying to revitalize a unit that slipped in pretty much every category last year. They were six and seven. They did go to a bowl, but did not win that bowl game. And so the Baylor bears have Gabe Hall as he might could, uh, according to this article, move inside to replace all big 12 nose tackle. Ica, who was there and did a great job. Also, You've got fifth-year senior end T.J. Franklin helping out with this Baylor defense. And if you look at the expectations for Baylor, according to this Athlon article, they've got them with a national ranking of 44 entering the season. And they say that the Baylor Bears playing a school record eight home games should help them. I do think nine wins is a real possibility in my opinion, and I'm not going to say that I'm a Baylor Bear insider by any means, but they, with with Baylor and with Dave Aranda and Moore leading this team, I think they have a very, very strong chance that of, of, of at least being there when it matters most and trying to be in that final running for a potential, I think, potential bid to get into that Big 12 championship game. And that would be quite, quite a feat for the Baylor Bears. As far as the traditions of Baylor University, we love to kind of tell you a little bit about that before we sign off each and every day. The biggest thing I think they've got is the Baylor line. And that is a tradition there that involves the students and they wear like a green, almost like football jersey when they go to games there at Baylor University. And it's it's part of the student line. It's the core of Baylor spirit and traditions. And it was established in 1970 that good old Baylor line, and they are right there with the 11,000 student tickets available, cheering those Baylor Bears on. And if you're a student, you can be part of the Baylor line and truly make it a a great home environment inside McLean Stadium. So Sikkim Bears, McLean Stadium ought to be rocking. Again, eight home games for this ball club in the 20. 20- 23 football season somebody did their homework there to to line it up to where they have that many games all in the same seasons uh, 
Good luck, Coach Aranda and the Baylor Bears. And that's a spotlight again. Baylor gets their season underway during that opening weekend with the Bobcats of Texas State coming in for a 6 o'clock Waco time kick inside McLean Stadium on September 2nd. When we come back, we're going to wrap this y'all show up as we are in the Muscle Shoals area of northwest Alabama. We're going to take you to Tuscumbia, where the executive director of the Helen Keller Museum, Ivy Green, is going to sit down and talk with us. And we'll learn so much more about the incredible American and truly a hero to so many, Helen Keller. And that will close up this y'all show on location in the Muscle Shoals area of Northwest Alabama. Thank y'all and enjoy that interview when it comes up right after this. I'm John Rawl and this is y'all talk with a Southern accent. Visiting with Sue Pickleton, Executive Director, Birthplace of Helen Keller. We're in Tuscumbia, Alabama. What a lovely place we have here in Tuscumbia. Well, thank you. We're very proud of it. We have people from all over the world that visit here each year, uh, international people as well, all 50 states. So we're very blessed to have this museum. And this is a home that was built well before the Civil War when they come here to the Helen Keller Birthplace. That's right. It was built in 1820 by Helen Keller's grandfather, David Keller. And she was born here after the Civil War. That's exactly. She was born in 1880. Okay. Normal child until the age of 19 months, and then she had a very high fever that left her deaf and blind. Was it common for people to be uh, deaf and blind at that time period, or was she real a real oddity? I think it was a real oddity. They didn't know how to deal with that. Uh, of course, there was there was a school for the deaf and blind in uh, Talladega, Alabama, but you could not have both disabilities. So that's why Helen Keller went to Perkins School in Boston at the age of seven. And again, her life was, uh, has been chronicled and has been, she had the life that uh, she did obviously the most that she pop, pop could possibly do with what she had to deal with. Well, she was the first deaf blind to ever graduate from college. She graduated cum laude from Radcliffe College. They did not want to accept her because of her disability, but she insisted that she go to school. So they had they put her in a room by herself, and she scored so extremely high they had to allow her to come uh, to the uh, school. And then she went on to Radcliffe. Uh, after graduating from Radcliffe, she started working for the American Foundation for the Blind, traveling all over the world speaking on behalf of the disabled. And in 1925, she went to Lions International and asked them to become the Knights for the Blind. Uh, so they took on that challenge. So the work you see Lions doing today is because of Helen Keller with their site program. We have a beautiful uh, garden area that represents all the different countries. Uh, so uh, her work is still being done today. Again, we're in Tuscumbia, Alabama. This is Ivy Green. This is the birthplace 
of Helen Keller. Did that name Ivy Green go back to when this place was first built? Yes, it was all the English ivy that was growing around on the plantation, which was 640 acres. Okay, and this is right in the Muscle Shoals area in northwest Alabama, visiting with Sue Pickleton, the executive director of Ivy Green here in Tuscumbia, Alabama. How much of a connection with Helen Keller's family do you have here at Ivy Green? We're very fortunate. We still have Keller family living here in Tuscumbia. Helen's great-nephew and great-great-nephew and niece still lives here in Tuscumbia. And we have one of the family members on our foundation board. Where is Helen Keller buried? She's buried in the Washington Cathedral in Washington, D.C., along with Ann Sullivan and Polly Thompson. And why was she buried there? It was such an honor for someone to be asked to be buried there. And so they asked her because she was such an uh, icon around the world. And she said only if my teacher and uh, traveling companion could be buried there also. Wow, what a story. And you'll find when you come to Ivy Green, lots of stories. I was just walking in the door and I heard about how on day one, her teacher got locked in a room here? That's right. Helen Keller had a thing about locking doors, and so Ann Sullivan wanted to actually discipline her. So there was like a tug of war at one time, but Ann went up to her bedroom. Helen locked her in the room upstairs. Captain Keller had to get a ladder, and Ann had to climb out that window up there. Helen was uh, happy. Uh, Captain and Ann Sullivan, they were very unhappy about that. And she was getting instruction at that time for what? Uh, she was, uh, Ann Sullivan was trying to teach her, you know, manners. And she was like a wild child in the beginning because the parents didn't know how to deal with it. You know, for 19 months, she could hear and see. All of a sudden, a fever uh, made her become deaf and blind. So they just kind of let her go. She wasn't mute? No. She learned to speak. Uh, at the. Uh, she went on to take voice lessons later. But at the breakthrough at the water pump, when she learned water, she learned 30 words that day. Oh, that's, and you just I just saw you point. Yeah, that's the pump. The uh, That pump speaks many languages. As you know, we have people from uh, Japan here today uh, touring, and when they come out the back door, the first thing they're going to do is start talking about that water pump. How about that? That water pump, again, a, a key part of the Helen Keller story. That's, story. I've always wondered why that was part of the, the, the imagery of her. That's right. Well, that's where the breakthrough came. Anne took her from the dining room after being with her at the cottage, and she, she brought her back in, and of course, like most children, she started acting up. So Anne took her from the dining room back out to the pump, began to spell water over her hand as she pumped the water, and all of a sudden, Helen realized that the coolness that was flowing over her hand was actually what Annie was spelling in her hand. So that's when the breakthrough came. It's the Y'all Show today on location. We are traveling in northwest Alabama as we're at Ivy Green, the birthplace of Helen Keller. John Rawl visiting with the executive director of the birthplace of Helen Keller, Sue Pickleton here on this beautiful grounds here. And I know that we cover a lot of things across the south on the Y'all Show. And we know recently we announced that the Helen Keller Festival was right here in Tuscumbia. How, how does that happen each year? Well, it's a great uh, way for people to come to Tuscumbia for two to three days uh, to enjoy music, arts and crafts, a lot of different things going on. But we have the Miracle Worker Plague in the backyard. Uh, this was our 62nd year for the play. And of course, it's on Friday and Saturday evenings. People come from all over the world. We had one gentleman this past uh, season. He was from Italy. He came on Friday night. And I looked up on Saturday evening, and he was there, and I said, 
did I see you last night? He said, yes, I had to come back and see it one more time. So it is something we don't see. Say you see the play, you experience the miracle worker. And where is that held? It's performed here on the grounds in the back. Okay, I'm going to shift over here so you can get out of that sunlight. Oh, <laughs> We've got a beautiful day here in Tuscumbia, Alabama, but uh, the, sunlight. the sun, <laughs> as it does here in August in the south, you just that. never can tell. But you have a, a beautiful property here. Tell me about the acreage and how you keep it up. We have uh, now uh, 10 acres. Uh, that's about all we can maintain and keep up. It was a 640 acres. So Tuscumbia actually grew up around the birthplace of Helen Keller. Uh, but uh, we have uh, the master gardeners. They have come on board as a project here. They take care of all of our beds. Uh, they plant lemongrass, sage, and, and different fragrances because when blind people come, the first thing they notice is the fragrances in the gardens. And I pass by it every day and I never smell it. So see, I'm used to it, but they notice it. And that's a great thing to bring up. How many people who are handy capable come and visit this ground we probably have uh i would say close to uh maybe 15 a month or maybe less in the winter time but a lot of times people come here that they've just found out that their child is deaf or blind for inspiration and uh so that's very important and in the fall we have a, a camp for deafblind children called camp courage and it's totally free to the children and the parents and they come uh and we have a, a log cabin in the very back of the property that's our schoolhouse we call it camp courage but uh we invite students that are having uh hearing and seeing uh problems or totally blind or deaf to come uh, it starts on thursday and they come and they see a portion of the play and then we have dinner on the grounds and then on friday morning they go to the cabin our schoolhouse and they do pottery and candle making using the sense of what helen keller talked about roses and magnolia and they'll make a candle for their mom and dad and then their uh, pottery is just a masterpiece you can always tell the deaf uh, children from the blind children in their pottery because the blind children take so much time in cut and making cutouts in their bowls and then we have it uh, fired and we mail it back to them for them to give their parents at Christmas and then they do all kind of team building it is a wonderful camp so if there's anyone in the listening area that's uh, in grades four through six that would love to come uh, that has sight or hearing problems please give us a call and we would love to have them attend the camp now, here in Alabama, is the school for deaf and blind still in Talladega? In Talladega, yes, it and, is. And didn't Helen Keller have some kind of connection to Tuscaloosa? Did she go to uh, some kind of school there? No, she never went to school there. Now, all of the ancestors from Helen on up went to Alabama. Okay. But uh, she traveled. Really, she would come back, and her uh, sister lived in Montgomery. So that's where she would go to visit her sister in Montgomery. Okay. Again, we're visiting with Sue Pickleton here in Tuscumbia, Alabama. We're on the grounds of Ivy Green, the birthplace of Helen Keller. Do you feel like Helen Keller's legacy is where it ought to be? What Should we be doing more to promote her? Because she truly was one of a kind. I think each probably every four or five years something comes out like the quarter in 2009 that was the first coin that to have braille on it 
So that focused on Helen Keller and this museum. And then uh, we had the statuary, the quarter came out in 2003, and then we had the statue placed in Statuary Hall in Washington in 2009. That brought a lot of attention. And then, of course, we had uh, Mattel came out with a Barbie doll. Uh, of Helen Keller, uh, one of the uh, inspirational women of a series that they did. And all the little girls were bringing their little dolls here and uh, for a tour. And so, you know, we can always say we need more focus on the things that Helen Keller did. She was an advocate for equal rights, for uh, people with disabilities to be treated just like anyone else. So really what we see today, I feel like it's because of Helen Keller that the obstacles are being taken down. And when you mentioned the quarter and the statue there in Statuary Hall, those are Alabama's representations. That's I mean, right. Helen Keller was the only feature for Alabama when they had a choice of what to put on the back of the quarter when That's Alabama's right. time was up. It was Helen, Helen Keller. Keller. And I guess she probably replaced a Confederate general, if I had to assume, probably. in D.C. whenever her statue was put there. But there are lots of great That's Alabamians, right. <laughs> and she was the one she chosen. She was one chosen. And I think it's because she is truly an, an international icon. You know, we here at the birthplace, we're not state or federally owned or funded. So we have to rely on people to come through our doors. And during COVID, that really put a strain on us. Uh, we survived, but uh, it was definitely a, a big hardship for us. Is this owned by the city? No, we are a 501c3 uh, foundation. The city bought the home. At that time, they appointed a board that said, we bought it, now it's up to you to maintain and keep up. Well, I guess you're doing a pretty darn good job, Sue <laughs> well, we're Pickleton. We're trying. We're you trying. made it through COVID. Oh, yes, we made it through COVID and opened up when the governor said uh, on Memorial Day weekend, you can open up at 5 p.m. Well, the first thing I thought of was, Governor, we're closing at 5 p.m. I don't know why you think we need to open, you know. But anyway, at 8.30 the next morning, we were open, ready for visitors, and we had 87 visitors to walk through that day. How about that? And speaking of governors, didn't we just have a blind governor from New York State, I believe Duval Patrick? I think so. I believe I heard that. Uh, he's not anymore, I don't think. No. But, uh, it, you know, you can become a lot of great things even with a, a disability. disability. Well, you know, uh, a few years ago, Texas wanted to take Helen Keller out of their curriculum. And, I, I mean, it was a big uproar about that. And a blind uh, lawyer wrote a beautiful letter. To the system school system and he said because of helen keller i am what who i am today he said my mother read to me every day and she would always end by saying if helen keller could do this being deaf and blind there is nothing that you cannot do and he said please do not remove her and they didn't thank goodness and again uh, ironically texas is led by a governor who is in a wheelchair, wheelchair. that's right so greg abbott. abbott so what can people do to help you do you have a website are there we ways do. to to donate to the helen keller birthplace yes we do have a, a a nice website that's just been upgraded and of course uh people many times just send a donation to uh the home a check or uh they can go online 
and do that. And we're almost to football season, which means we're almost to the holidays. Do y'all do anything out here special for the upcoming uh, festivals, the, the Christmases and all that? Uh, we have open house during Dickens, and people come through uh, downtown Tuscumbia, and then some will tour the grounds here. Uh, our main thing next, after we finished the play, which ended uh, the middle of July, we will start focusing on Camp Courage, and that will be August the, uh, October the 5th through the 8th. All right. Well, Sue Pickleton, I can't thank you enough for taking enough time to talk to the Y'all Show today. And, hey, no matter where y'all are in the South, get to Tuscumbia, Alabama. It's a great vacation destination. And make sure you stop by Ivy Green, the birthplace of Helen Keller, and enjoy this amazing story and tell the story of Helen Keller every chance you get. Sue, thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming, and please come again.